Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes, and this is Let's Talk America. And as always on Mondays, it's the three amigos <laughs> gathering together again to have a good time, if that's the appropriate way to describe it, uh, with whatever is out there percolating in the news. Uh, and of course, we have several things, including the aftermath of whatever that was in the House and Senate that just took place. We'll go into that a little bit. Uh, what was going on in the meanwhile in the Iowa caucuses? Huh? Too many cooks spoil the broth, too many cheats spoil the count. What does that <laughs> tell you about the Democrat Party? We'll be discussing that and other things right after this message. Second week of November, I was privileged to participate in the Red Pill Conference in Mesquite, Nevada. It was sponsored by G.W. Griffin's group and it brought together a whole array of activists and conservatives thinking through how we can wake people up to what's really going on in this country. There was a whole series of presentations uh, that addressed political issues, issues of health and other things that are being done uh, to take away our understanding of what's really being done to transform this country into a totalitarian tyranny. If you understand the danger, then you'll want to be watching these DVDs. We're going to put them together in a series. I'll be introducing the different parts of the series, and they'll all be available at imtv.us, the exclusive distributors of this series of views of the Red Pill Conference. We're live. Welcome back. Well, first thing, I'd call it a post-mortem, see? A post-mortem on impeachment. But my real question is for you guys, is this whole impeachment farce we went through, including the very questionable sham trial that took place, right? Um, is that actually a post-mortem for the Democrat Party, do you think? I think it's a, a three, three-peat thing. You have uh, the Iowa caucuses collapsing. You have Trump giving his State of the Union, which crushed it, and, and you have the uh, impeachment fiasco going down in flames. I think that one, two, three punch just really put them on their heels. I don't, and then he had a great job support the next day. I mean, I always said those are the worst three days since the uh, crucifixion, practically, <laughs> so, uh, for the Democrat Party. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't see him coming back from this, at least in this presidential election, which I think could have long legs leading into the future. I would predict within two weeks there'll be another uh, threat, another attempt to unseat President Trump. They've got nothing. They are nothing. They, they've got nothing. But they will continue until you put a, well, don't want to say anything cr crass, but they will never stop because they, they are in a lot of trouble. And, uh, and I, I don't just mean losing power. I think they're in a lot of trouble because they've broken so many laws that these guys are doomed. And so they'll fight and fight and fight until you put them in jail or just move them out. Well, but isn't it? I, I have to say, though, that I look at the outcome. Because you notice I, uh, I had said all along that the House process, it was just a sham. There was no there, there, there never was. No. A and, uh, and because I thought that, I was kind of surprised 
that on the Senate side, they didn't kind of accept with open arms what I thought was that just jetting out of all the whole process that took place on the House, plus the draw of Joe Biden, which is more than Joe Biden, because I'm not talking just about that individual. Joe's done. I'm talking about Joe's what toasty, it represented, done. though. It yep. represented. Praise God. It represented an abuse of official power mm. that I think as little tidbits here and there have come out, clearly that's the tip of the iceberg of right. something that is going on now, mostly with the people, and I never use this word about them, by the way, but I'll use it just because that's what they're called out there sometimes in the media. Among the progressives, there seems to be rampant abuse of power in order to feed money to their particular causes, to maintain their little political empires. I was kind of hoping that the Biden thing would be the beginning of a revelation of all of that, and it didn't come about, though it looks like it might still be yeah, pursued in terms of deep I think, state. I think all. everybody's waiting. I think Joe Biden is collapsing. I think it's uh, over. It's one of those things, do you kick a guy when he's down? He's going out. Let him go out and then reopen it in a broader thing. If you do it now, it looks like political grandstanding, like you're really trying to take out a potential opponent when he's no longer but an opponent. Then nothing. you come I'm back sorry. to it. I'm and sorry. you can come back to come it. Come back say, to it how? And come back to it in what way? Because I found it really disturbing that a vice president of the United States would employ a policy instrument. Absolutely. In oh, such a way as illegal. to benefit his son. That's an egregious violation of the trust of the American people. And it wasn't treated as that. And I don't know why. Because the, the proper answer to what Pelosi and all these people were saying was look at that. If there was ever a definition of a high crime and misdemeanor, that's it. I don't say it's, I don't say it's gone. I think it can be brought back. I really do. I don't see this dead at all. I see... Biden, when he's done, I think he's going to be it's much easier target to go after him when he's no longer a candidate. While he's a candidate, it looks political. When right. he's no longer a candidate, you can say, hey, now we got to really start looking into this corruption, this burisma, all this money that goes but from But you're China. never, ever, ever, and, and this is what I didn't understand. You can look into it all you like. You're not going to get the focus of the people and the world that you would have gotten if they had called him, gone through the song and dance of getting him up there as a witness and so forth and so on. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm sorry, rotten deal, rotten deal. I can't imagine why Republicans who had any integrity would resist what was there. They started out to go get Donald Trump. Instead, they exposed the wrongdoing of their own administration, which by the way, Hanging behind it all, every time I see that thing where Biden was boasting in front of the CFR, and he says, they said, we're Boast. gonna go to your president, and we'll tell him because he approved of this, and Biden said, go ahead, pick up the phone, call him. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, would he be that confident? And if he is that confident and it's justified, then this extends to Obama approving this. Absolutely. I still think all along this whole impeachment thing was the Democrats taking Biden out. I think that they were really, everybody knew it was all gonna come back, circle back to Biden. And I think the Democrats knew he was a terrible candidate, a failing candidate. I think that they, when they started really pushing this impeachment, they knew they didn't have the votes to impeach him. There's no way they're gonna get the votes to impeach him. So when they bring it up at all, 
I think they're they're doing it. I think it was really just their way of taking him out of the well, picture. Do you stick a fork in Mitt Romney now? Absolutely. Yeah, he's there Absolutely. for what five years? He's got five years left. You could have stuck a fork in him when he wimped out in the in the presidential race years ago. I mean, he failed. I've heard people say this, and I, I tend to agree, looking back on it, that if he'd have stood up and been a man like Trump, he could have won that back then. But he wimped. Well, I and think so, I think I heard something actually on the news as I was coming in. Trump has made him the new ambassador to Wuhan, China. I don't know if you've heard this. I think Trump wanted to promote him. I thought he had a place for him, a little special niche, absolutely, a new opportunity for him to, to really show his stuff. Yeah, he's a doctor. He can take some MMS with him. There you go. Well, I I've got to confess that I I was kind of surprised not only at, at the stand that he, that he took but at the flimsy way in which he tried to justify it. Oh, because yeah. Because it didn't His make deep faith? any sense to me, <laughs> right? Um, and, and neither, by the way, have you read the account of this, these two guys who have oh, just been taken off the NSC? A little bit. And, and, and the one who was, was talking about Lieutenant Colonel. He thought. Yeah, don't forget thought, that. I'm, don't I'm forget that. He worked hard, no, he but worked he said hard it, for that. No, he know. said that he thought that this was uh, inappropriate. He thought this and he thought yeah. that. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, now wait a minute. This guy's on the NSC staff. He's supposed to be working for the president. As I understood it, you know, your responsibility in that case is, is, is under the law. You're not supposed to be talking out of school. And because he thought that this wasn't that above, above his pay grade. I uh, thought that, way that above. I can understand. It is the Congress's job if they want to speak up about it and try to make stuff up. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, "Well, the president shouldn't be doing this," <laughs> um, right? And I'm thinking, who elected you? <laughs> and why do you think? Do we have military people now who actually think that's their job? I don't think he, I, I, the thing I really question is how he's getting away from the fact that he actually spoke to the whistleblower right. about a confidential, he's not supposed to be speaking, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all those even guys. Even if you disagree with it, you don't speak to some whistleblower or some media source or anything like that. You go to a superior type thing. There's a chain of command. How he keeps his, how he doesn't get a court martial. I think he's on thin ice of, of getting a court martial That's for what releasing secrets. That's what I'm thinking because yeah. because that seemed to me to be an utter violation and attack on the chain of command. And what was he up to? Where did that thought come from? Well, it's prevalent in all the Obama holdovers that Trump's an outsider. He doesn't deserve to be president just because half the country elected him, that means nothing. They're all deplorables. And we've got to get rid of him before he destroys the nation with a great economy and low unemployment. He is absolutely <laughs> ruining America. It's the worst thing I in the mean, world. I, I can't He's imagine. He's the Democrat Party. We, we've got to get rid of him. Now, I haven't been able to talk to, to you guys about this, though I did delve into it with uh, John Michael Chambers. You know, I had a great time, and I went down to Florida. Oh, you need with to our friend, John Michael Chambers, and gave a talk down there to the Sarasota uh, Patriots, and then watched the State of the Union address with, uh, with them. And I was one of those people, I've read now several folks with the same reaction. I, I have watched in the course of my lifetime many State of the Union addresses, and some of them, Reagan's were pretty good, and so forth and so on. I have never seen one that was that well put together. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean now just the, <laughs> I don't just mean the words that he spoke. Those were good words. I also mean the way that he 
had all the right people there mm. yeah. to yeah. represent things. People are trying to pretend, especially now, we're all divided and they're doing everything they can to have everybody at this country at one another's throats. What I found particularly amusing was that the rock bottoms, that's what I'm calling them now. <laughs> it was like the their butts guys. were made of rock. Those <laughs> Democrats who were sitting there wouldn't stand up. Yeah. They wouldn't, right, weren't going to stand wouldn't up for anything. Wouldn't even smile. But, but finally, started I think with the Venezuelan president, somewhere, and they couldn't, they had to, right? They had to stand up. Introduced the black guy who came back from addiction and rebuilt his life. They had to stand up. Yeah. And that, but then. Yeah, how could you do the Tuskegee Airmen? How can you let. But then. That's that the one that blew me away. Yeah. But, what? But they also, here you have the ideal thing. I will not forget it. I'm going to use it from now on to show the great contrast. Because over here you have Nancy Pelosi and the pro death Democrats, the ones who are for killing babies and mothers kill babies and so forth and so on. And you have this lady now they say what's their big slogan pro-choice pro-choice we're pro-choice and then trump has the the lady and her daughter she wants to send her living child <laughs> so that living child can get a better education oh that killed him Ooh, through a pro-choice approach to education and they're just sitting there the rock bottoms are sitting there no hands there, looking grim as yeah. death. Yeah. And I said, pro-choice. Only pro-choice when it comes to murdering the innocent. Right. Not pro-choice when it comes to helping mothers do the best they can for their child. It's, not a, it's a disgrace. How can that be lost on people in I this like country? all the strong, independent women in white that <laughs> took their orders on when to sit, when to stand, when to smile, <laughs> when to clap. I mean, that's, that shows me strong independence. If they can't, you know, they have to look at their leader. Oh, I can clap now? Oh, okay, I can <laughs> clap now. Or I, I can stand up now? I can, okay, okay. I'll, that's not independent. You're not showing me you're a strong, independent woman by doing that. It's showing me you're a sheep. A lemming, I guess. I guess sheep's are white. Sheep are sheep are white, singular. So, uh, I guess that was a, that was appropriate color for them that day. Mm. Well, you know, they were exercising their white privilege. Oh, oh, oh that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is their privilege to scoff at everybody in this country because they're trying to do good for the country, trying to do good for their children, trying to show respect for the valiant people who have helped to defend this country in the past and so forth and so on. But it's their privilege to sit on their rock bottoms and show contempt for everybody in this country. And, and they try to pretend, you know, Democrats, we're all for people. No, they're not. They're all for power at the expense of people. And it showed. I had yeah. friends who were in the media or in the uh, uh, State of the Union, and they were talking about saying you couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear it on the televisions. But they were yelling and screaming. And by the end, they were so upset. And when you were hearing the chants of USA, 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 that was to drown out the Democrats on the floor yelling and screaming at Trump. They were so, remember a, a few years ago when Obama said something and one guy said, you lie. I think it was about health care or something mm -hmm. like that, like you can keep your plan or something like that. And he said, you lie. <gasps> oh my gosh, oh my stars and garters. You know, I can't, someone says, spoke to the president during his speech. They were yelling and screaming at Trump, just losing their ever loving, what's left of their little minds uh, and just going crazy. And they, they said, you could not hear it, but there, that's what when you heard USA USA, it's because the Republicans were chanting literally like protesters at, uh, well, at some your, of Trump's what's speeches. What's your sense of what effect the State of the Union had on voters out there? What do you think? Well, 
my gut feeling is that, that it had the effect that it had on you, that everybody is beginning to realize that this is one of the greatest presidents ever. And because look at all the opposition, just watching all those people. In the past, when you'd watch this kind of thing, uh, most of the crowd would stand. It wasn't that obvious that these are Democrats, these are Republicans, you know. Yeah. But, but so I think the, the country sees that this man has done all that he's done with these idiots in opposition every inch of the way. And also, there's been attacks on his family. I mean, it's been unrelenting what these animals have done. And so I think the nation sees through that. I, I, I met a guy, our account now is 278. I like your hat or I love your hat to only three people that have expressed opposition. And the other night at the brewery, the guy was telling me, and I was telling him about those three people. He said, well, I've been wearing my hat for a long time, but I haven't seen anybody that said anything negative. Of course, he's a big old boy. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. But I think that, that people around this nation love President Trump. They love what he's done, what he's been going through, and they admire him. And uh, I just think it's going to be a slaughter if we keep our noses to the grindstone and don't act like we think we're going to win. Well, well Trump sort of did that. Trump, I mean, I, he, he after he got his acquittal the next day, he had his great speech. Everybody's like, yes, that's so perfect, Trump. I mean, 90% approval of Republicans. You know, moderates, uh, independents, I think, loved him at like 70-something percent. Yes, Democrats yes. loved him at like 40, which is pretty good for Democrats. Right. Uh, and they, they, they agreed with uh, the, the sentiments and the things he was saying in the speech. And the next day he came out and just threw him right under the bus, which was sort of funny if you're a Republican. But I think a lot of people who, the ones who hate the Twitter and hate all that stuff were like, oh, not, not that Trump again, you know, when he, he came out and just... Well, see, I, I think Calling though, it BS that and all the things you, you like reach that. a certain point and things start to come together in such a way that I at least am looking at it and say, this is, this is something that's going to get out of their control now. And I thought that particularly as I was watching the debacle with the Iowa caucuses because um, I don't see how that result could have come about just because one person was cheating. I, I think that as you would expect now with the Democrats, because they have no particular principles, I think a number of them were, had gotten somebody and they were trying to add a little salt to the broth to see them through. And it was a cumulative effect of several different parties messing with the count because if you're messing with the count, you're, it's always a guessing game. You got to try to make it look good by putting in more for yourself and then taking it away from others. Yes. But then by the time three or four people have tried that, it's going to pass all possibilities of, of verisimilitude by the time that you're done. And that's what happened. So you had more people showing up in the count than showed up at the caucuses. Well, well there was, was some serious electile dysfunction going on there. I will say that. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. uh, Stacey. They, uh, they had some stuff that was going on. They had a coin yeah, flip. I'm not that. sure if you saw the coin flip one where the guy flipped the coin, caught it, felt it in his hand, looked at it, and flipped it over and says, 
Buttigieg wins. Everybody's like, yep. wait a second. You, you like flipped it, felt it to yeah, see what you got. But what were they what deciding you, at that? Now. What were they deciding at that point? Who cheated the, the most? <laughs> Buttigieg cheated. <laughs> and and um, I, I remember though having having a, Which a, is a talk amongst Democrats. Having a talk with my spouse some some time ago, and because uh, I thought that it was quite possible that the Democrats would try to push Buttigieg um, um, into the nomination for vice president because that's part of their agenda now. Right. For diversity. the country. Uh, but it's not really diversity, see. You, they say it's diversity. But I think they're about doing anything now, anything whatsoever, that sets Americans against one another, mm. that leads us to withdraw into little discrete identities and squabble over those identities. The sense that there's common ground is something that doesn't serve their purposes. And it's why they hated the State of the Union, because that's what I thought Trump really did fantastically well. The State of the Union address should be an illustration of the truth that the Union, that is to say the common ground on which we stand as a people, still exists. And when he put together the various folks he brought out and the things he said about the programs that they represented, that was common ground. And the poll you were talking about shows it. The only people who are standing now away from that common ground, which we still share about how you help people, are these Democrat ideologues whose only aim is not helping anybody except helping themselves right. into power. Right. Um, and I can't believe people didn't see that. I thought it was clear as day, and I hadn't ever seen a State of the Union that brought that out so Well, and then clearly. Nancy tore up the speech. Uh, I mean, I guess when you can't impeach, you tear up the speech. <laughs> I just thought it was just a, a – I it, think man. she was just lost it. She, is, she had nothing. They had no, nowhere to go because back. everything he said – was just like, uh, 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 we won, we won, we won. These are all facts, statistics. You can't deny, you cannot lie. All right, Pointing to people, I mean, that are, that are winning, and regular people that are winning, and how America's getting better. They had nothing, so I think they just, they're losing it. They're losing well, it, they're up. All right, minds. one more topic before we go to break. I was going to ask you, did, did I hear wrong, or did they not say that the turnout uh, was, was terrible? That the Democratic in turnout. Iowa, yeah, yes. it was awful. Nobody even not for cares. Trump. No, that's what I'm saying. But but is it? But we're not telling? supposed to see that. Yeah. See, well, that's this, why you. This don't is all very iffy, and he's yeah. in serious trouble with this and that, and that's why yeah. ten thousand Biden still leading him turning out, and a hundred thousand people want to go in a blue state like New Jersey. I love that. <laughs> you know, a hundred thousand people want to get in. Mm -hmm. Right to a Trump uh, rally. That's right to a Trump rally in a rally. state that hates him supposedly. 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 Yeah. Oh man, this is crazy. What these guys are trying to tell us well, on you know, the news. Buttigieg actually is has been one of the investors in the company that was doing the voting, the vote count. That's right. And uh, I thought that was sort of I couldn't believe that you would let someone who is an, an investor in the company uh, run your elections. That's like saying, okay, Stacey Canfield, he's running for office or whatever. We're going to put him in well, charge of counting the votes. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? You let someone well, who is a tie to the one of the elections? When we get back, I, I, I want to go just a little bit further into this to see whether you all feel like in the face of that kind of illustration of what is now happening with the cheating, because frankly, I look at what's been going on and the sense that one inevitably gets about the environment. And I think that the Democrats are in serious danger of losing it all now. 
And I'm actually Praise praying God. that this is yes. so in terms of losing that majority in the House and, and, and so forth, because I, they, they seriously deserve it. The only way I think they avoid this disaster is by egregiously cheating. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll talk about what that might look like right after this message. I'm Alan Keyes. I just want to let you know that on a recurring basis every Tuesday, we're going to have a guest, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. He's going to be joining us to talk about the whole array of challenges, both in terms of our health as a people and as individuals, and our health as a nation. We'll be looking at those things through the eyes of someone who has thought deeply about many things and who has many great ideas to share with me and with you and with everyone who tunes in to Let's Talk America on Tuesdays when we meet with the Health Ranger to talk about how we sustain the health of our liberty. Welcome back. Now, just before we broke, we were talking about the Iowa. They, they're calling it all kinds of things, debacle and so forth and so on. But I think it's just very clearly the Iowa cheating that was going on. The clear evidence that people are tampering with the vote and that the Democrats have become excessively committed to this practice. Maybe there was a competition to see which one of them could do the best cheating because that's the only way they're going to win the next I saw election. One of the so early they had to prove it. I saw one of the early <laughs> results had Hillary Clinton in the lead. I'm not going to say anything. I don't know, but, you know, I'm starting to wonder. That was my but first question. Four. Uh, since I, I have for a long time, way back in the 90s, you can go back, okay, if they still have them around somewhere, you can hear me talking on my radio program at that time uh, about the fact that I thought was a huge mistake to turn over our voting process to machines. Right. And that no matter how many people it took, and even if it took a little while longer, it was better to do it in a way that involved human beings. And I think that we're also in a position now, I'm not saying the technology's useless, but we now have a technology that if you had people who were to, to be entrusted with camera, you could have a camera position right. so that you could look at exactly what they're seeing, and if they try to mess with it, the camera would see. So cheating would be more difficult for human beings. Whereas, when you're dealing with the machines, it's literally the case that the vote count does not take place in public. Oh, absolutely. It can't take place in public because the machine's machine. inside a machine. And that doesn't, uh, someone was arguing with me the other day, it's not unconstitutional. I said, I'm not sure. I thought I'd have to go look that up. Uh, but I see the Iowa caucus as possibly getting Americans to wake up to the fact that we don't benefit as a people from letting the machines count the votes. Uh, we can handle the job, and it needs to be put back on a footing where human beings are entirely responsible for the count not technology, because when we turn things over to this technology, we're only pretending that we understand what's possible, because most of us don't. I, I go back and forth. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with technology as far as electronic voting machines. I have problems when they're connected to an outside source that can be tampered with. Right. I mean, in Kentucky, we went up there and, and we worked on that. That's a rough place. But, but their voting machines were controlled 
by a company in Europe somewhere, and the guy was getting money from a Soros-based place. It was horrible. And so, and, 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 and I'm not a com computer programmer, but Bob Denny told me that it's not hard to have that computer count votes in such a way that the outcome is determined long before the election takes mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you said that... See, it's that, a question that, not only of who's counting, but who's building the machine. The, of course, yes. who's building the software. But, but you said somebody argued with you that it's constitutional to count the votes in, in private inside a box. I don't see how anybody could argue that because I thought the Constitution said that you voted in private but it had to, had be, to be counted, counted in, in public. public. That's what well, I Well, then, whoever argued yeah, that's that. That's what we were talking about. Nope, I'm um, no more. Because I think that this ought to be one of those things that, that sort of has people waking up to the fact that, and I do, I, this is a kind of Alan saying, I told them so, but nobody listens, because I have been saying this I'm for listening. decades, several decades. I don't even want to say how many decades. <laughs> I would really be He's telling. 92. But the simple fact is, it's one of those things that human beings should be doing, people should be taking responsibility for, so that anybody with a modicum of literacy and education can participate and can check right. what the outcome is. Letting that out of our hands and into this arcane world of technological thises and thats, where as I say, we really don't know what's possible and what's not possible, and the few people who do know I know Mike Adams if, would probably tell us, but how many other people will resist? Because the tech sector in that regard strikes me as perhaps the most corrupt sector that's ever existed in the history of the country. Especially if it's in the hands of people that murder babies. You gotta figure, you know, that if somebody will kill a baby, they'll steal your vote. I mean, now, let me ask you a question. Let's just say we get election night, it's whatever time, and I, mean, I think Bloomberg's going to be the Democrat nominee, and Mike Bloomberg is dumping millions and millions of dollars, and Donald Trump is doing his thing, and it gets election night, and Michael Bloomberg wins. Will you trust the vote? No. No, I wouldn't trust it, no. but then I don't trust a lot of the votes that take place now. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, Kentucky, uh, I think we talked about with Matt Bevan and all this. Now, here you have a governor, high-performing governor, uh, has in that respect, I think, some characteristics that are like Donald Trump, able Absolutely. to boast about Absolutely. how he turned a failing economy around, improved the situation for all the different groups in the state and so forth and so on. And on election night, everybody else on the Republican ticket One big. Okay. One and, big. And he is dismissed by the, by the voters. And I'm looking and I'm saying, that stinks. No, no, that stinks. And it stinks not only in that case of Democratic. I have also made the argument for a long time that we don't really have two parties, at least not at the leadership level. There's one elitist faction, and they care only about one thing, getting and keeping power. Right. They're no longer, and, and admittedly, the Democrats go further in showing the utmost contempt for ordinary people. I think almost everything they do shows contempt for ordinary folks and gives in to the idea that people are props. And I think, I particularly think that because of the way they have abused and abused the black community as props for their electoral purposes. Mm. And now that that's wearing out, right?
they're going after Hispanic vote. They're going after even the Muslim vote and all of this sort of stuff. And they don't care at what cost, uh, so long as it helps them get and keep power. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I think uh, we're, we're just being betrayed in that regard. Well, Carville, I know, James Carville made a really yeah. impassioned speech just this last week talking about it, saying, you know, Democrats are losing everything. We, we've got a uh, no real good candidate. We're pushing hard on socialism. And he almost made it clear. He almost said, you know, we don't talk about this stuff. We all believe it, but we don't talk about it until <laughs> after the election. we got to win because it's all about having power. And if you don't have power, nothing counts. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's a Democrat mindset. It's all about attaining power. Lie, cheat, steal, whatever you got to do to get in, and then you have the power, then you can do what you want. And, it, but, and you know, mislead people, I think that's been the game plan by the Democrat Party for many years. I don't think that's anything new. Well, the average American sees through that. There was a great video the other day, I don't know if you saw it, but it was after Nancy tore the, the speech. There was many Democrats that called in and said, I've been, my family's been voting Democrat for 70 years, and I assure you, we will never, ever, no one ever vote for those people again. You know, that was the President of the United States, and that was something he wrote, and you don't tear that up. That's tearing up America. Yeah. And even Democrats are beginning to see that they're, these leaders, that they're globalists. They've lost their minds. And I, I think that that's waking up to a truth that Americans have been Hallelujah. denying for a long time. And that is the truth, that we're dealing with folks who, whatever they pretend, they have no regard for it. They don't want the system. Mm -mm. Uh, nobody who espouses socialism can care for the constitutional system in the United States because at the heart of the Marxist-Leninist view of the whole world is the notion that power is all that matters mm. and that material forces are determine everything. Now you and I both know that if you live in that kind of world and they call themselves progressive, no, you're taking us back. Right. Because throughout most of human history, individual human beings and their families, the ones who worked the land and, and so forth and so on, they didn't count for anything. The only people who counted for anything were the people who could amass enough power mm. to defeat and kill everybody so that they got their way, right? They talk about white privilege. This wasn't about white or black. This is about the privileges of power and wealth, which is a form of power. That's the real privilege. And it's separated throughout human history. It's separated the few powerful from the many who then had to just submit and be enslaved by the power that they represented. The Democrats accept an understanding of history that is based on that analysis of forces. How can the general mass of people be so stupid that they don't realize that if you accept that understanding of the world, you're taking us back, not moving us forward? Well, I think that's Bernie Sanders' message almost, really, though. He's played that song. I mean, not saying you're wrong or, or that Bernie's right, because I think Bernie doesn't really truly believe it. But I think that's what he's really trying to do is saying, you know, oh, we've been oppressed by all the people, except it's all he says it's all the big business people, and we need to get it back to the people down low. Of course, that's but, not never what socialism actually that, does. Yes, no. if you espouse socialism, you're espousing a doctrine that has no respect for people as such. Yeah. 
Uh, because how do you get respect for individuals who don't have any power? I, I suppose it could just be kind of, well, I'm a nice guy, and therefore I feel this way. But that's not why this constitutional system was put together. <laughs> do you know why it worked, y'all? It worked because it was based on a premise that didn't convince the elitists that they should be a kind to everybody. Who are you kidding? They don't care about you. Uh, the truth is, it convinced the folks who had been abused, right, mm -hmm. that they had a worth and dignity worth defending. And by coming together on the grounds of that worth, they could then make a difference. It gave the folks who were just ordinary folks confidence in each other. Does, does socialism do that? No, mm -hmm. socialism isn't about giving individuals confidence in one another based on what? Based on a common understanding of who God is, based on a common understanding of the worth he instilled in each individual, mm. and by knowing that is the common understanding you trust. We all believe that there's worth in every one of us. If we have to move together, we will, so that they can't any longer divide and conquer. Why is everything about the Democrats these days about disintegrating our population? In, because of their understanding of history. That is, an, in effect, how you neutralize the force of the people so that you can dominate them with other forces. And that's what they're really about. Force is all. They worship power. They worship force. They don't have any respect for the people at large. <laughs> What's interesting is, they don't even understand what power really is and the source of all power because as they do everything they do, they, they fight and hate on God who is the source of everything. Mm -hmm. And so instead of being humble and yielding themselves to the one who wields all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's the Lord Jesus. And yet in fighting against him, professing to be wise, they become fools. I think God has given them just enough rope to hang themselves. Wow. Well, they got plenty of rope to hang themselves and all their friends. But, and they're doing it. They're just self-destructing right before our eyes. Because when you, when you start fighting against God, you are going to be destroyed. And in this case, they're going to do it to themselves. And I rejoice in all that, man. I'm glad to see it happen. See, I think well, the other side of that, which they're aware of, and it's why they are going after God at every level in our mm. society the way they are. Because you're right, but there's another side to that, and that is that that faith in God is what empowers the people. Amen. It's not the government. It's not no. their programs and all this garbage the Democrats sell. No, what made this country possible and ultimately successful was that faith in God and the confidence that there is power in that faith Amen. that you can rely on in your family and in your community. That is what lifted up common folks to where they could no longer be talked out of the view that they had the capacity and deserved the respect to govern themselves. They didn't have to be governed by their betters, their dictators, their emperors, and so forth and so on. 
and, 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 and it puts you in that position, which was the key, I think, to the American Revolution, to the fights for against slavery, to the courage of our people in war after war, and that is that faith in God that leads to individual courage. And they're attacking well, the they have faith Christian in God. faith, and they're attacking. <laughs> they have faith that. in God. They just think they're it. <laughs> well, that's the problem. That's exactly. The problem. I mean, they they exactly. believe in God. They're just the the, the, the them. <laughs> but if you have faith in in, in God Five. as the Creator of all things, who nonetheless cares about you, mm. who has empowered you, sees worth in you, all through human history, that's what the betters, as they call themselves, in a lot of times and places. That's what they try to talk people out of. No, you're worthless. Mm. We have the glitter. We have the power. We're the ones who are talked about in all the history books. You don't even exist. And the changes that people will go through, they don't even foresee it, but that dichotomy is one of the reasons why history used to be written all about these elites. And the people were practically not taken account of. Mm. And it wasn't until the success of the American experiment that literature and romances and all of that started to concentrate on the courage, the fortitude, the perseverance of ordinary folks getting through their lives in such a way as to build a destiny for themselves and their families that eventually, eventually produced the greatest country. And we've got to keep this in our minds. What was the key to a country with a government of, by, and for the people that actually expanded that to more and more disenfranchised people, slaves and other folks who counted for nothing in the world before. And after they did all of that, that country rose to be the greatest country in the history of the world. It was as if you had discovered a human version of, of you know, atomic power mm. to empower a society. But that power required that faith in God and the confidence that leads you to understand that righteousness is not a product of wealth. It's not a product of power. It's not a product of noblesse oblige decisions by the better few. It can be the product of good, faithful human beings acting together with a kind of self-discipline that then allows them to govern their own country. And we, we have it if we want to keep it. But well, that's the question in front of us. Do we want to keep it? I, don't I know. think President Trump did a good job the other night in his speech of highlighting that with the people that he had there, the yes. young lady, uh, the and saying we'll never go back. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I thought that was a key moment. He said we that, that what do you, I think he said socialism. We're not going back to socialism. We've turned the corner. Yeah. Trump. Mm -hmm. Trump is amazing. He's done a great job with all the pressures and all the evil. But it's up to the people of America, the good people of America, to get serious about rekindling our relationship with God, both individually and as a country, so that we can once again uh, say, God bless America. There was a time when that seemed a little odd, like an oxymoron almost. We have got to get back to God and the foundation that made this country great to begin with. And we're still reaping the benefits of what those guys did a long time ago, mm -hmm. but it, we're bleeding out. But now Trump's come along with a Band-Aid, and uh, we can get better, but it's going to be up to the good people of this country 
to respond to this reprieve God has given us and uh, to get together, start reading your Bible more and more and more, start loving God and then loving your neighbor. And then let's see how much blessing God will give us now. You know, I always say it's very frustrating to me when people say you can't talk about politics, you can't talk about religion. Mm. I think that's the complete opposite angle we should be going to. We should, you should feel free to talk about it. Yeah, if people have disagreements, you have to, one, learn to be able to have a disagreement without realizing you hate the person just because you disagree. But two, I mean, Christians have to engage. I mean, we cannot, uh, Martin Luther King, I believe, said, it's not the, uh, uh, the voice and the anger of our enemies, it's the silence of our friends. Mm. As Christians, we have to engage. We have to step forward. We have to be part of the fight if we're going to change things, if we're going to make America as great as we want it to be, as great as it can be. We ha as Christians, and we have to say our Christian belief has got to be put forward. We have to present it. We have to be willing to speak on it in a positive way, in a positive light, and in the public forum. We cannot be silent any longer and think we're just going to have friends. Well, we have to be able to fight. Somehow, what factored into that was all the churches taking that tax write-off, becoming corporations, and then getting told that you be careful what you say in that pulpit or we're going to take away your tax-exempt status and all your people are going to leave, which is probably true. And that is where we got confused because, and I know you used to have a problem with one of my favorite pastors because he wouldn't try to get his people to engage. And, and, and you were right, and I used to be wrong most of my life. I thought, no, there's got to be a separation of church and state. How dumb is that? So, yes, we have to engage. And if it costs, whatever it costs, it doesn't matter. We have to engage. See, and that's why I am in the midst of uh, a period I've been saying for the last little while where I'm going back because you take things for granted after a while. And I did a lot of work at one point in my life on the American founding, right? And read a lot of books and biographies of the founders and did various and assorted other things. For some reason, in the course of the last little while, I have been obsessed with renewing my sense of that. I've been reading biographies of founders and going back to refresh my, uh, my sense, sense of what went on because it's become the foundational premise of everything I do now in relation to our society and government to remember the beginning. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That understanding of right and right in connection with what? The one we appealed to when the nation stepped on the stage of the world. So that they spoke of the laws of nature. Yes, that was right. a that could be a rationalist, enlightenment thing. It could have to do with all the sort of semi-atheist or atheist, deist, theist, and uh, atheist in the world. But the second part, and um, nature's God. God. Amen. Right? And the one responsible when you mentioned the creator for the rules and they try to pretend with us that somehow or another you can know enough to refute there's no god you can say that well you can call it what you will but in the bible god tells moses once i think it's very significant that he only tells you once you have to pay attention to something god says to you once why because behold the lord your god the lord he is one so if he says it one time see He's really representing something. And this particular something happened to be exactly about himself because Moses wanted to know by what name should I call you before the Israelites. 
And the name that he gave was one word, essentially, being. And you say, What's the, why is that important? Because we can't do without it. Because we can't even think without it. If people are trying to tell you they know everything, then they would be able to give you an explanation of what that word actually means. And do you realize we can't? Mm. The only way we talk about being is by referring to a particular being, this being, that being, the other being. But God is being in and of itself, transcends everything, goes beyond everything. Somewhere in that being is the reason we can discover the laws of nature, is the order that we're discovering when we uncover those laws. And if there's no one responsible for it, then our thought makes no sense. You don't see that, right? Because we absolutely depend on the assumption that that order is there. Otherwise, our curiosity would be futile and, and, and it would be a fantasy and it would be unreliable. And we've proven through our science that it's nothing like that. And so at the end of the day, you can't get away from God. And since you can't get away from God, you can't get away from your reliance on Him mm. for the laws that govern our understanding of everything, including ourselves. And our nation was founded on that bedrock assumption of our dependence on God. And as long as we've been willing to accept it and walk with it and have confidence in it, it lifted us up to the heights. And if we mean to go on shining out there as a beacon light of hope for other countries to realize the same sense of who human beings can be when they stand upon the truth, we can't afford to let that declaration go. Hmm. And I guess it's become the sort of dedication of my life now. Praise God. To try to reestablish that connection Amen. between who we are as a nation and who God is in relation to our humanity. Mm. So give that some thought. Ponder it deeply and join us here again. Let's talk America.